Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. I have an incredible woman on here on the podcast today with me. Her name is Diane Curry from DK Weddings and Events and she is one of Australia's most sought after wedding and event planner, styler and even invitation designer. She has a passion for bespoke events and an appreciation for unique transformations. Her weddings are literally masterpieces and she's worked with A-list celebrities. She works in Australia and also internationally and her weddings are literally the stuff of dreams. We are so fortunate to have her on the podcast today to discuss what it's like to land high-end luxury clients, how you can stand out and change the game in your own business and how she started out just doing some weddings for her friends and built this into the huge success that it is and the expert that she has become today. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today because your work is seriously sensational. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, Steph, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. So for anybody who doesn't know, which is crazy because your work, I feel like, especially in Australia, if you're in the wedding and events industry or if you've ever been married or looking to get married, is so stand out. And it's definitely something that I see on a lot of Pinterest boards. <laughs> Tell me and tell the audience if they don't know you, who is DK? Who is Diane? Diane is me, a girl that started event by chance. A lot of people that haven't followed my journey are really surprised at the fact that I never had a business plan, that when I started, it was just a passionate thing. I was in finance, I studied, I came from a background where I was in a corporate industry after I graduated from uni. But I always had a knack for being creative. I loved selling. Selling was a huge thing while I was studying, trying to make money. I was a sales girl in fashion, selling clothes. It was You could sell a paper bag to anyone, dying. you're just so good at it. And I think part of that was I just knew how to relate to people, I knew how to talk to people, make people feel comfortable. All these attributes that I had at such a young age, I think, helped to where I am now. So, you know, who is DK? That evolved. That is someone that evolved from a finance sales background to then going after having my own wedding in my mid-20s, loving the process and realizing back then when I got married, there was no social media. It was really infant at that time. Instagram was not many people were on there. Facebook, I think, was the thing back then. And so it was a tool just to connect to people. It was just to show people this is what I love. So I jumped on it while I was planning my own wedding. And as I did that, I realized from speaking to suppliers and vendors, there wasn't really anyone that could help. I just felt there was so much missing. But I didn't see that as a business plan. I just realized, like, this is so frustrating. I'd go on social media and try and find things. And wedding books were such big things, magazines. And I think during that process, I thoroughly enjoyed organizing, being creative, speaking to people. Every time I'd show up to an appointment, they'd say, you actually got at this and the suppliers would like dealing with me. And I got married, had a really beautiful, big Lebanese wedding. And I was the first one in my community to have gotten married. And I think that created an attraction and some traction to people to come up to me and ask for advice, you know, as you would, how did you do things, what happened? And being the person I am that likes to give for free, do things, give advice, not intentionally thinking about money. I helped people with things, questions, answers, whatever it is, and just gave them raw, authentic advice based on my experience. Mm. And what I found was the first person that asked me kept coming back and going, you know, ask you a bit more. And and I just kept helping them. All of a sudden, I was actually their planner without knowing, helping them through that wedding journey because they just love the energy, the rawness, the honesty, genuine, all those principles that people look for in people. 
And she ended up having the most amazing wedding. And I love the feeling of how it felt when you see it all come together and all that hard work and all that energy that I put in helping this person and seeing it all happen. After that, I was like, you know what? I love this feeling and I love seeing it come together. And all of a sudden, all her friends wanted me to help. And I found something that I never thought would happen. I'm like, oh my God, this could be something. I'm onto something. And that's honestly who DK is. It's someone that started a business organically and it evolved over time because I was authentic and I was true. And eventually the finance principles that I had in business from working in corporate and finance and sales really helped me drive that in the event industry. And here I am, I've come a long way and it's been lots of bumps and rides and something that I've learned. I never did an events course. I never worked as an intern for an events company. I went in literally learning as I go, making mistakes, very wholeheartedly, rawly. And just as I went through, learned from that and got better. And now I'm over 10 years on and built this empire. And it's incredible that you started like that with no experience and no mentors, no one in the industry to kind of show you what to do, no degree, nothing like that. And and you've been able to build what you've built and, and become arguably Australia's best. And so it's absolutely incredible that you started there. How did you make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? Was it in that weddings and event industry or was it earlier in life? So I think what I did, so being someone that comes from a strategic background in finance and analyzing. So I was an analyst for accounting firm and then I worked for Woolworths. I was analyzing, you know, profits and losses. I'm very about detail attention. I come from that and I'm a salesperson, really good at selling, really good at understanding what people want. So that's something. So when I realized after helping these people for no money, while I was earning six figures for a corporate firm that I had a career plan for, so I was working for Wolves at the time in property development, I had a really good job that had a company mm. car, everything. And I was at that point married. So I had responsibilities to pay, you know, my part in mortgage and everything else. We hadn't had children at the time. But what I found was with my corporate job, I was very, it was very dry for me. I wasn't feeling fulfilled, but I needed the money side of things. But then I had this creative thing that I found that I was, that was making me feel excited, but there was no money to it. So I'm like, I can't leave a six figure job to something that I've got nothing. So what I used to do was put the hours in after work. So I used to obviously help those people for no cost, but then eventually I'm like, how can I get people through the door when I don't have much to show for myself? Yeah, I've helped a few people, but I don't really have a lot of work to show the confidence. So I started creating invitations. And that was like my little go-to thing to get people into the door to then sell them the other services. So when I first started, I found a supplier, an overseas supplier that I worked with to create stationery, a beautiful luxury stationery suite. And I created a few samples and started posting that. That's how I started an audience online on Instagram. I just thought I'll start sharing. And then those few girls when I'd help them with their wedding, what I would do is, because there was not really good stationery providers, I'm like, I do stationery, what do you want? And I'll customize stationery, have my brand at the time, weddings by dying crew at the back of it. And all of a sudden, when they handed out 300 invitations or 200 invitations for those weddings, people were looking at the back of going, who's that? Do you know what I mean? It was yep. a way to bring interest into that. And it had my website, I had a very basic landing page. And I had an Instagram with no work. So I used to just on Instagram share things that interest me, that aligned with who Diane Curie is. When I say aligned, I've always loved beautiful things. I love things done tastefully. I love luxury. So I would go to shopping mall. And if I saw a beautiful shop front, 
I would share that on the story and say why I liked it. And people would like that and it would create interest in, oh, I really like her style. And already the people that got drawn to my style would follow. So the journey started like that without me realizing that I was already creating an audience and a following just by doing things like that, by being authentic about this is what Diane Curry likes. This is the things I see when I go shopping. When I go in a hotel, this is what gets drawn to me. When I go shopping, I look at this bag, look at the leather on it. And people used to love that. And that's when Instagram was nothing. So there was that side of thing. There was no dollar cigar where it was slowly building something up that helped me later on. Then there was this other side where I started stationery. And from one bride sending out invitations to 300 people, all of a sudden 300 people knew who Diane Curry was or had an interest. And that was stunning luxury, textured paper, beautiful stuff. It was knowing my market. I didn't want to do the $8 invitation. That There was plenty of people doing that. I knew that where I want to be is at that niche market. And that's really important to know what you want to do in the beginning because it's very easy to be diluted by the being scared that I have to be everything. And that, that happens. I'm there. I go there and you want to please everyone. So you'll dilute yourself by trying to like amend to everyone. So I was like, no, this is what I want to do. And I've got to keep as much as I get trying to straight away. I've got to stay to what's true to Diane. So that was what, how I showed off who Diane is through my stationery, through my social media. And then people started calling me for stationery. And that's how the first dollar came in the door. And it gave me an ability to meet with them to talk about stationery. And when they decided to be comfortable, I talked to them about service they never knew existed. When planners weren't a thing at that time where I'd be like, you know what? I'd ask them, how are you going? Not, did you know I do wedding planning and styling? No, no, no. It's how are you going the way? Show me what your dress looks like. Oh, what are you doing planners? Oh, you know, you could do this. And like, oh yeah, you know what you're talking about. And then it's be like, you know, I can help you. It's the confidence in asking questions, probing questions, showing that you know your stuff, you've got great ideas and forming that level of comfort with the client where they like, I actually want her. I want to talk to her more than just today. And then from there, it was like, oh, so you do coordination. And it was like, yeah, I can help you. I've got this thing I can. And I just developed that as I went, looked at what people need customized as I spoke to them and realized people were nervous and stressed about their big day. They needed someone to bounce ideas off. I created that market. You know, back when I started, planners were not a thing. Mm-hmm. We created that market and people started realizing, you know, I wouldn't mind that. And that's how I got my first foot in the door. I diverted it through a sub product because there was no other way. I couldn't put on social media. I'm an event planner. Ring me and book me. No. I'm like, how can I bring those people to my door and then sell? But not hard sell. Yeah. And slowly, and it didn't happen straight away. And I wasn't charging big dollars, but I started charging. And I was lucky enough to have this other job where I was able to go, no, this is not right for me. I can't help her. She's not right because I had a comfortable job. So I was able to be choosy, stay true to my brand in the beginning. And then when I realized it was, okay, I need to divert more time to this and make the court take the risk and just literally going all out. But in the beginning, it was a trial and error, seeing how things are, bringing people in front of me and being confident. There's so much about that I love that I want to just draw the audience's attention to. If you're listening, the first thing that Diane did, I don't really believe in right or wrong, but I think the first thing that you did that really benefited you and your business going forward in the long run was, first of all, you knew that you wanted to do luxury. So you didn't play around with people who weren't in that luxury market. Second of all, you knew what your style was and you knew what your taste was and you didn't work with clients who wanted other styles and other tastes necessarily. So you didn't dilute your own work 
because you weren't saying yes to every style, everything. You weren't probably doing country weddings. You probably weren't doing rustic weddings. You're probably very focused on staying in that luxury market. And that's so important to just know which area you're going for, know which client you're going for, know what your style is and what you love. And then really sharing that so that people could connect with it and want to work with it. And then obviously sales. It's interesting. I also had a sales background. I was in retail most of my life as well. And I think that if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, I think that sales are something that you really need to get comfortable with very fast. Whatever it is that you are, if you can't be confident in your brand and in what you're selling, then how do you expect that person to hand that money over? Sometimes I said, and I say this always to my team, don't think I've got it all figured out even now when I get a job that I've never worked on this job, like some of these custom jobs that we do, you know, in areas like in Queensland where I've never worked on that property. I said, I've never worked there. I've not done a job there, but I can't go into that meeting and go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You have to go in with the confidence and then work it out behind the scenes. You can't go to a meeting and not be ready to to wear that face, to be able to sell your brand and know what you're talking about. So I always say that if you're going to, especially in the beginning, you need to know how to sell. You need to know how to be confident, but not hard sell. Selling is just knowing information. It's information and being able to talk about things so that you don't confuse people. Listening is part of selling. It's understanding what people want and then being able to see is you can accommodate. And if you can't, don't agree and then disappoint because that's going to do more detriment to you than you realize. And that takes a very long time to say no. It took years for me to learn to say no. When you said earlier, like knowing your market, yes, I knew I loved luxury, but it was so easy in the beginning stages and years of the beginning stages to feel insecure, to feel worried. There's so many players, especially in Australia, the wedding market, the events industry is a small industry compared to the rest of the world. And there's so many players, so many people, so many florists in the same field. It's such a small industry that sometimes you do feel insecure and the need to conform to everything. And it's very hard to stand out, say, you know what? No, I'm going to stick to my guns because you need to pay bills. But sometimes you do need to stick to your guns because I feel like people are getting ever so confused with too much information, social media, everything. It's like, you know, when you go shopping and you go into Zara and it's just so much variety that you end up leaving because you're like, I'm confused. There's just too much. I don't know how to put this outfit together. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? There's so many great things, but your mind gets so clouded because they have everything. They have the swimwear, they have this, they have that, and it's a one-stop shop, but it's got too much and get clouded. Sometimes by finding what you're good at and finding your niche and sticking to it and doing it well, it's so clear and you're so confident in it that you're able to sell it. And that's the best way to put it. And that's why are you shopping in as example? And if you know, you go to that boutique and you know that's what they sell, know that's what you get. It's so much easier to make a decision and not get confused with too much going on. And that's how I think it is with your own brand and what you do. Think about what it is in your brand that you do well and and perfect it. And you, and you will never just feel like you're so good at what you do. I'm like, no, I'm ever forever evolving and getting better at what I do. It doesn't just come and that's it. It's a formula and see you later. These days, age, you have to keep evolving. I totally agree. And I think that you really are a trailblazer in your industry, personally. I think that you really trailblaze the way. How do you stay ahead of the trends? How do you keep being the forefront and I guess the innovator in your industry? Pushing boundaries is a huge one. It's not staying in my comfort zone and doing the same thing. Like from an event point of view, not just doing every wedding in that hotel board because it's the easy job to do. Obviously, those jobs are great because they pay the bills. But 
either when people come to us, and the thing with what I do is, yes, everyone's got a wedding and yes, everyone's got a christening and a personal event and it seems like it's the same type of thing, but everyone's story is different. Yes, the end result is it's a wedding and yes, it's a christening and it sounds the same, but everyone's got a story attached to it. And listening to that story and taking from that is where we evolve and how we bring that into that event. And taking on those jobs where they say, it's just so hard to do a job in Hayman Island. And I'm like, well, we're going to do it. That's hard. We're going to do it. We're going to show we can bring luxury to a remote island. And I think it's that challenge. That's what's kept me ahead in Australia and, you know, put us on a platform where people internationally are looking in going, wow, these guys. And it's because I'm pushing those boundaries. It's because I'm going into untapped territory. It's because I'm not afraid to do these large-scale events, not just in Sydney, but saying, you know, yeah, I can come to the Crown in Perth and I can transform your space. I might not know it at the time, but I work through it and I have the right people. I think that's how I've evolved. And evolving is also, over time, collaborate. It's not just thinking it's me, 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 and it's dying Curry. Evolving is not being afraid to pick people's brain, not being afraid to gear yourself up with the right people. I went to a conference recently and we spoke about this, that If you look in the luxury world of these brands, you see the likes of Louis Vuitton or Gucci pity backing off another brand and collaborating with another brand and Kim Kardashian. These strong brands don't need each other, but Dynamite comes together by collaborating. And I always say to people that that's the only way to evolve, by bringing other talents, finding things out there that you can bring in your business and collaborate with that's going to elevate your business. So... Definitely, that's a whole thing now that I look at who I can collaborate with, especially when I do interstate and destination events. I look at, you know, whether it's in Italy, an Italian planner, a designer that can join forces with me and just elevate the experience and the design. I love that. And I think that in an industry like the wedding industry, which is very similar to other industries, usually in industries, whether it's fitness, whether it's beauty, whether it's weddings, it can be very competitive. And I think the fact that you instead focus on collaborating and taking away that need, we don't need to compete. We each kind of stay in our own lane, but we actually create more magic when we team up and and work together. Definitely. I think that all comes back to that word you said before, confidence in your own brand. If you're confident in what you do and your customers are trusting in what you do and trust your brand, they wouldn't be worried about you collaborating with another, like bringing other forces in to help elevate your brand. They don't really need to know. It's just more about how you elevate the experience for your clients and your customers. And I think People are very, very afraid to collaborate and I used to be like that and I think it's the most powerful thing you can do because definitely having more people on board from, for example, me, I'm not tech savvy. I'm like, I can't keep up with this. I can't keep up with what's going on in the world. So I speak to people outside of what can I do better. All that, all that collaboration with people is only going to enhance your business. So I think it's something that we shouldn't be threatened by. I agree. I agree. So you mentioned that you started doing some invitations, working with some friends, some people in your community. How did you transition to working with A-list celebrities? Like, like obviously that's happened over a period of time, but how, how does that happen? That happens through hard work. That happens with putting yourself out there. And I look now and I think to myself, oh my God, I used to say, I wish I can get this girl's wedding and I wish I can do that. I wish I can do one destination event interstate and that's what we're doing. So you know, you start small, you have big dreams, but you can't jump in big straight away. You can't say, I want to do a wedding in Italy 
and it's my first year of business. Like ultimately, that's the goal. I want to do a celebrity's wedding. You might not be able to do that in the first year. You've got to work towards that. And I think that's the problem in this generation is that people just want everything today. No one wants to work hard. No one understands that dying too. did not get there without doing the hard yards. So yeah, one event at a time, smaller events, you know, whether it was just a small event where I just styled a little christening, little stuff, and then sharing it on social media and then getting more people going, I really like that. I'm doing my event here. And then from smaller events, starting to do bigger stuff, Working with good supplies that also aligned with my brand, which is really, 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 really important to have. You've got to be geared with the right people because they're also, from an event planning point of view, I rely on my florist, my custom builds team, the people that do stationery, the flooring, the ceiling people. They don't have the right morals and the right work ethics, then they're going to screw me over and they're going to damage my brand. So it's really important that when I say yes to a client and take the on that I also engage with the right people that align with my work ethics and the level of what we're trying to achieve. So that's one thing that you need to look at and work out who are the people I'm working with and do they align with my brand. Second of all is take on those jobs, the smaller jobs, don't be afraid to do them. And then over time, by sharing that, doing the best job you can, those bigger jobs came along. They didn't happen straight away. It's after a few jobs, then People started to go, okay, this person's doing nice work. I want to get in touch. And then it's that meeting with them and that selling where they start to feel comfortable. And that's where I started to get, you know, you do one, it opens up the next level. That's how yeah. it is. Yeah. And you mentioned the business has been hard. Obviously, I totally agree. Business is hard. And I don't try to hide that because I think there's a lot of stuff online at the moment. It's like business is easy and it gets to be easy and all this stuff. And it's true. Like, I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. But I do think it's hard. There's hard yakka, there's hard work that's involved. What have you found most difficult about business? What has been the hardest hurdles that you've had to overcome? Balance. That's what I think a lot of people would agree as a business owner. It's always, you never, I'm yet to meet someone that says, I've got it all figured out. Yeah, I'm balanced work. I do eight hours and I leave and I shut off and it's all perfect. And then I allocate this much to my kids. I think for me personally, when I started to see this business happen, when I started to help these people, then I realized, oh my God, I'm getting on these people else. And then I made a decision to leave my full-time job with the support of my husband to give this a shot. You know, I couldn't give it a shot when I got to six figures in the event industry. I had to leave at a point where I was earning no anymore. I had to take a risk. And when I did that, a year later, I felt pregnant. But I saw that this is something that is eventuating. I could feel it. I knew it could be something, but I, it was that point in my life. Do I keep going? Or do I be one of those girls that goes, I'm pregnant now. I'm going to just not go give it all and give it all up. I had to make that decision. And I decided that I was going to go in, like try and do everything. And that was really hard to balance. And, you know, at the time I said to myself, yeah, just after this first child, I'll get the balance right. You never get the balance right. Even up to now, 10 years later, I'm still struggling with balance, but you learn how to be better. So balance is a challenge between personal, between how much you give your staff, how much you invest in yourself, your relationship, your children. That's forever something I work on. I feel like I'm always juggling and I don't think you will ever figure it out. You'll just get better and you have good and bad weeks. Some months I feel completely in control. Some months I'm like, I feel like I've just started my business all over again. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you have your own business. You know, I don't know anyone, anyone that I speak to that says, oh, every day is a great day and it's so easy. You know, <laughs> When it's great one month, the next month, you know, staff are leaving you. 
or you might have a client that's being really difficult. You're, you know, I've got three children that I've raised while I've done this business that are teething. My daughter doesn't sleep or daycare calls you in the middle of a meeting and I've got to go pick her up. I'm like, shit, I've got this huge event. And how do I balance? So to me, that is being my biggest hurdle and still is, but you just learn over time how to control it through experience. And I love that you've mentioned that because I do think that, especially being a, a mum in business, like it's crazy. It's crazy hard. It's crazy hard, right? So hard. But I think that one thing that people forget, like, yes, there's no doubt about it. Being in business is really difficult. The lows make the highs so much higher, you know? And I think that's the the other thing because when you're winning, oh my God, there's nothing like winning in business, you know? But when it's hard, it's equally as hard as that, as that high. But the reality is that even in a corporate job, there's good and bad days. You know, whether you're a stay-at-home mum or a mum that works, there's good and bad days, you know? So I think it's like, that's just the part of life, you know? And I think that if you think that working for yourself is going to create some sort of, there is freedom, but it might not necessarily look the way that you thought it was going to look. I think the freedom, it comes in different ways. There's pressure in so many different ways, whether you work for yourself. I feel like for me personally, when you're a working mum trying to raise a family, whether you're working for someone, me working for yourself, each presents its own challenges, but depending on the level and the role, like where you are, like if you're a project manager director of a company and you have all this pressure to deliver, but then you've got young children and you're, you need to leave, but you've got all this pressure, you go home. It's very hard when you run a business or you have a role at a company, even though you might leave at five or three to pick up your kids, it's very hard to just go, I'm just going to shut that problem out, pick up my kids and pretend it doesn't exist and pick it up at 9am tomorrow morning. It is very hard to do that. So that's a challenge in itself. And that's something that is everyone's issues, everyone's challenges with running a business or being a working mom, I think. And I think it's something that no one puts credit to. And I think the problem as well these days is social media makes it all look like it's easy because everyone just posts picture-perfect moments, picture-perfect events, picture-perfect everything. And people forget when they review that, especially people that are starting off they look at him they see they've got it all figured out look how perfect her life is and her events and she's a great mom look at her with her body is immaculate and how am I even going to get myself together and I think people forget it's 24 hours in a day and that's one snippet that someone's showing you what happened the other 23 hours and you know 50 minutes of that day you know not everyone shows the rawness and I think it's really important to understand that there are challenges to get to perfection there are challenges to master that and no one has it figured out and it's okay not to have it figured out it's how you pick yourself up and how you deal with that because no one ever has it figured out that's what I think and I totally agree and honestly every woman that I've ever interviewed in this podcast has had the exact same sentiment and I've heard, you know, women like Mia Friedman and Lisa Messenger and Lorna Jane and, and women like that speak and they say all the same things. I, I really do not think that this journey is easy and I don't think it's for the lighthearted, but I think that if you, like you, are incredibly passionate about what you do and incredibly in love with the process and the outcomes that you're able to deliver, then it gives you something that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. If you know your purpose, I think that's the huge thing, know your purpose then when you do hit those weeks or days or moments where you're feeling like you're at rock bottom and you don't have it together, you go back to that purpose and the feeling of when you were on that high, how great that is. And that's what brings you back up because you know you're going to get back up there. So there are highs, there are lows, but you've got to love what you do. And I feel like that's really important. When you're starting a business, you really got to question that it's okay if you don't like it. 
it's okay to change careers. Like no one has to have it figured out straight out of uni. Sometimes they have to do three different things to then figure out what they're great at. So don't ever kick yourself down if you realize this is not for me. It probably takes a lot and very gutsy to go, you know what, I'm actually, I hate this. I'm good at it, but I don't like it. I still like to be able to do it for so long. There has to be some sort of passion to continue and excel and evolve. And I think when you start a business, you need to make sure you know your purpose and you're passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what's going to get you out of bed on the hard days. Yeah, that will make the money come in without thinking about it. You know, eventually when you're doing it and you're so passionate about it, well, I personally think if you're good at something and you're passionate and people see that, eventually it translates into revenue, translates into dollar figures and sales. Yeah. And I do think the other part of that is what you mentioned earlier is the confidence. It's that confidence of saying, yeah, I'm passionate about it. I'm good at what I do. And I'm not scared to tell people that I'm bloody great at what I do. (laughs) I love that. Look, Diane, I have loved this conversation today. For a startup business owner listening today, if you could give them one piece of advice that would allow them to keep pushing through their journey, even through the hard days, from all your years of all this wisdom that you've got banked up, what piece of advice would you give someone who was just starting out? To be authentic, remain authentic because they're the people that stand out. Don't allow yourself to be diluted by what's around you. I think you really need to stay focused and confident in what you do and literally just stay on that course and don't look left or right. It's good to know what's around you. But before you do that and before you take that step to start your own business or take that course, make sure you know your purpose, write it down and one step at a time. Put the Mm. ultimate goal down, but it's okay to take baby steps. Totally. I love that. Be yourself. And I think also like know yourself, right? Stay true to who you are. Like you said, when you're looking left, right and up, down and everywhere, it's very easy to get diluted in what everyone else is doing and how they're acting. Yeah. I think if you're all over the place, people see it. Like if you don't know and you're confused, it will translate in conversation. Oh, this person's all over the place. I think when you're so confident in what you love and what you do and you know it well, without even trying, you're selling yourself naturally because people see through that you know creatives arts it's like music people sometimes I'm like you know sometimes I say to people you know what my work speaks for itself I don't need to sell myself go on my page but obviously in the beginning you don't have that page to show so you need to talk with confidence about who you are and what you do and don't boast yourself up if you don't know what you're doing like don't oversell yourself make sure you know yourself before you sell yourself Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It has been so nice to have you on here. And thank you for just bringing your most authentic energy to not only this podcast, but everything that you do. Your weddings and events really stand out because of that energy that you bring. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Guys, if you love this episode, we would love it if you could share it on social media. Make sure to tag myself and Diane so that we know that you listened. And tell us what your biggest takeaway was because I'm sure Diane loves to hear as well how much she's impacting other people and, and startup entrepreneurs. But guys, as always, have a beautiful day and I'll see you next week. Babe, thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources, along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz.